Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'd like, thank you all for tuning into the show. Got my regular crew with me, Darnell and Tyler. I'm Trey, and we're coming your way with the 33rd edition of the Don't Kill the Messengers podcast. Before we get into our NCAA talk like we had last week, got a big pay-per-view coming up in the UFC with McGregor versus Diaz this Saturday. Um, before we get to McGregor and Diaz, though, let's talk about Cowboy Cerrone. Uh, he's going to be fighting Rick Story on that card. How do you see that going, Darnell? Uh, it's going to be a fun fight. Uh, Cerrone's coming off a two-week win, uh, two-win streak uh, after uh, dropping in his uh, title attempt against RDA. Uh, he's gotten two finishes against two very good fighters and uh, Alex Oliveira in his weight class, and then he went up to fight Patrick Cote uh, back in June. And, yeah, and that was Cal- TKO, and yeah, Alex yeah. was a uh, rear naked choke, right? Yeah, like, uh, triangle. Choke. Oh, triangle. Okay, yep, yep. Uh, but yeah, so he's you know being cowboy, hopping back in quickly. You know, two months after his last fight, he's back in there fighting a good Rick story, but uh, he's just on his second fight, coming off of basically a year and a half layoff, dealing with some injuries and uh, things, but. Uh, coming off of a good first fight back, uh, decision win against Tarek Safadine. Uh, it's two guys that are going to be able to throw some heavy punches, but I'm still leaning with Cowboy. I think he has a little bit. Uh, he has more ways to win. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Cowboy as well. You think it's going to be a? Um, you think it's going to go to distance or what? It definitely has a chance to go to distance. Rick Story is a smart fighter. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Cowboy loses a little bit of his power when he goes up to 170, but, I mean, that doesn't mean he can't knock you out. I mean, he's he's devastating. And it, as he showed uh, against uh, Oliveira, he's, he's a beast on the ground as well. Uh, but, but, yeah, definitely has a chance to go the distance. Story is he's a veteran, so he, he's going to do his best not to put himself in a bad situation. But... You know, any at any given moment, either one of these guys can turn the lights out. Yeah. Now, after um, if you know Donald Cerrone ends up winning this fight, uh, is there somebody that you would like to see him uh, fight? Because this welterweight division uh, is about to get a little interesting. Uh, we're about to talk a little bit more about it in a few minutes. But uh, is there somebody that comes in mind? Well, I mean, it, it starts moving him up the ladder where he can start looking at some of those bigger names at 170. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if he would want to see if he can be Robbie Lawler's comeback fight off of a loss or maybe uh, Kevin Gasolin, who's been building some steam, something like that. I think something like that would be a good fight for him because, uh, I mean, he, he won't be able to get a crack at the title yet. Yeah. Sure. So, just be interesting to see. Um, because, like I said, yeah, this welterweight the division uh, is going to get a little bit interesting. Uh, with somebody possibly coming back uh, soon. So, um, we'll get back. To, we'll get to that in a little bit. But up next uh, on the going to co-main event is going. We're going to have Anthony Johnson versus Glover Teixeira. Uh, how do you see this fight happening? I'm I'm feeling the Anthony Johnson knockout, man. I think. I mean that's. Piece. That's usually the way his fights end, uh, and it's very quick fashion. I mean, I, I guess I got to go with the the usual game plan on it. If this fight 
ends after the first round is probably going to be because uh, Rumble landed something heavy. But the later it goes, the more it's going to play to Teixeira. So AJ is going to have to go in and get his work done quickly. I think, uh, I mean, of Rumble's last five fights, the only one that's gone past three rounds was his fight with Cormier, and he lost that one. Yeah. Uh, but everything else has been, I think the longest one besides that was uh, 28 seconds in the second round to Jimmy Manua. Yeah. So, uh, so he, I don't, I don't know if he trains to fight that short, but he's going to need to get in there and try to make this in quickly because Glover is not a slouch either. But yeah, true. But I think just athleticism, athleticism is, and explosion uh, goes with Rumble. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm probably going to go with that. Probably a second round knockout. Okay. I'll go with, uh, I think I'm going to go with a first, man. But that guy just intense when he gets into that ring, dude. He's just ready to just throw bombs. So, um, so that's going to be an entertaining, entertaining fight to see. Because uh, that guy just, he gives it all when he goes up into that ring. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. Now, heard this week with John Jones that uh, Dana White, he kind of gave hints that we didn't end up possibly taking the drugs that people thought he was taking when he uh, tested positive uh, for the doping uh, violation that took him out of the fight with Daniel Cormier. Um, if Rumble ends up winning this fight, how do you think this will uh, go down with the... Um, light heavyweight division. Do you think Johnson gets a free match with uh, Cormier? Do you think John Jones will get it? Or do you think these two, will uh, Johnson and Jones, will duke it out for the uh, can, number one contender spot? I guess that comes down to what DC wants to do. Does he want to wait a little bit and let things shake out? Or does he want to get back in there and immediately try to get himself a fight? Because I th- I think that would be a I think that would be a really good title eliminator actually getting uh, Rumble and Jones in there because because of all he's put the UFC and his fans through I'm not sure if Jones deserves just to get right in there and get that title shot now I mean after having to pull out of a major event yeah uh, situation like this I mean yeah it may come out that he didn't take what uh, was suspected, but you still have to look at Jones's past, and there's just been so many mishaps with him and so many screw-ups that you you have to, I think you have to give him a fight before a title fight just to see if you can rely on him. Yeah, I, I can definitely uh, respect that decision. Um, I can definitely see where you're going there, too, you know, just with the previous um, troubles that he's, that he's been dealing with in his past and stuff like that, so I can see that. Just Johnson and uh, Jones, that would be a good fight to see them two duke it out before either one of them gets the rematch with Cormier. So that would just be good to see um, overall. Either way, it would be an entertaining fight no matter what. Those would just be two interesting styles just clashing in the ring So in the mm-hmm. octagon. So definitely it would be interesting to see. and be interesting to see uh, how much of a suspension Jones would get in, or if he would get any type of suspension at all just based on uh, what he tested positive for or if his food or whatever was tainted or whatever he took so just be interesting to see yeah now for the main event uh nate diaz and conor mcgregor 
had a little interesting scuffle today, man. Uh, what do you think about this rematch? <laughs> I guess, I mean, they're in full promotion mode now. They're showing that the bad blood is still there and throwing water at each other. I, I think they're trying to sell some fights because it looks like it's not selling as as projected, at least in uh, the arena. There's still lots of tickets, lots of tickets available last I heard. Oh, really? So, yeah, wow. so I think this might be trying to drum up a little bit more interest. Uh, you know, Connor is a, a master salesman as far as his fights go. Definitely. So give a little bit of drama. He's, I mean, he's had this happen a couple weeks ago. He was calling out WWE wrestlers for some reason. So <laughs> guy is trying to get attention on himself. So he can get some eyes on this fight. If you want to see him win or lose, he just wants you to watch so he gets his paper. Exactly. Now, how do you see this going down? Uh, I, I I don't see it going too much differently than the last fight. Uh, a lot of people have been throwing a lot of things around within this fight. Yes, the first round, the last time McGregor was, he was, he was piecing Nate up. No, no other thing you could say about it, but yeah. this was Nate off of eight day notice. He had inspired. So, I, and once he got used to the, to the flow of action, he, he started turning the tables on him. Connor started looking like he was gassing actually. And then it went to the ground after, uh, Nate landed a couple straight on shots to the chin, got Connor a little rocked and got him in that rear naked choke. Yeah. I mean, Nate's a durable guy. And Connor, I know he has immense power at one forty five. Yeah. But one seventy is a whole nother deal. Nate's not a natural one seventy fighter himself. He's better at one fifty five, but he's he's been through that grind and through Nate's career there's only been one person that's that's KO'd him. And uh that was uh, uh, Punk Thompson that did it uh, yeah. with a with a roundhouse kick. So I'm not I'm not sure. I don't see Connor knocking him out. Yeah. I mean, with all the all the shots Nate took in the first round that last fight, he was primed to be KO'd and it didn't happen. But now somebody that's had a full camp and will have his head moving and everything down. I, I'm my money's on Nate. Yeah, same here. I got Nate Diaz as well. Um, just think that since he's going to be able to have like full camp and spar and everything uh, that he's good at, I think he's going to be more prepared to actually fight McGregor. McGregor, he does have a chance of winning, uh, but I don't think he's going to be able to pull it off with a guy like Nate. Uh, just with Nate uh, being in uh, fighting a uh, heavier weight class uh, than McGregor just already and him being able to take some heavier hits uh, than what McGregor's able to. I think it's just a little bit more durable. just think he'll be able to just pull it off um, in that fight. So it's going to be a good fight with all this trash talking and everything that's been going on with these two. But I just think Diaz is going to get the uh, win over him. I just think if McGregor ends up winning, I think he's going to have to go in there, stick and move a little bit more, uh, not go in there and expect to trade shots with him or anything like that. He's just going to have to find his openings. Uh, use his speed and try to hit him with some counter punches and kind of just move because I don't think he wants to trade shots uh, with a guy like Nate Diaz. So just be interesting to see. Well, yeah, I mean it's the Diaz brothers. They're they're 
they both fight in a similar way. Yeah. They, I mean, Nate's not a, a knockout artist by any means. He doesn't have one punch KO power. Yeah. Uh, but they, they never stop punching. Exactly. So, yeah, McGregor's going to have to be in and out. He's going to have to show some nice movement. I mean, he he's slick with his hands. I I, I give that to McGregor. He he, he, he's, he took my boy all the while with it. So yeah, yeah. yeah, he he's precise. So when he's on his game, I mean, of course, anybody if you land a shot on the button, anybody's going to go down. But exactly. that's what it's going to take because I I don't he doesn't have better jujitsu than Nate, uh, and I don't think his wrestling is better than Nate. Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah, so, his, he's going to step that up for sure. So yeah, so. Hey, interesting fight, but like I said, uh, Nate's very durable. Outside of a Josh Thompson uh, head kick, I've never seen him go down by uh, get stopped by punches or kicks. That's the only time, and I'm not sure if McGregor has that kind of power at that weight class. Yeah. Now you kind of say you kind of see it going the same way. So, are you predicting a uh, early finish or? Uh, I'm not going to say early finish. I mean, I, I'm not sure if... Th- I guess let me couch it a little bit. I think it has a chance <laughs> to go to distance. It has a chance to go to distance. Yeah. But uh, if if McGregor's gas tank is looking like it did last time where he's pushing the pace and uh, tires out and, or punches himself out, which is how it looked, then... Yeah, it's probably going to go to the ground, and McGregor's going to get caught in some kind of submission. Uh, and, you know, it might not be a choke this time. Nate's also really good with leg locks and stuff like that. So it's just, I, I just think Nate has too many ways he can win, especially being the bigger guy in the cage. Yeah. I was just, yeah, I'm going to go with a uh, Nate Diaz TKO. Um, TKO? Just, yeah, TKO. I think, like I said, man, the dude, he could uh, hit. And, you know, just continue to just swing at him. So, I think of McGregor, like I said, if he gets an opportunity where he's going to get backed in a corner or just uh, somehow gets caught with one of those Diaz punches, I just think it's going to get to a uh, TKO tonight. I just think he's going to catch him. So, could be wrong, but like I said, I think Conor McGregor is going to have to use that speed and get in and out. He can't get cocky and be doing some of the stuff that he uh he's been doing in the ring with other guys so he's gonna have to bring his a game in this fight for sure so that's what i'm thinking yeah and i mean i think i think he he got humbled a little bit where he knows he has to respect Nate a little bit more in that cage he can't just go in throwing a bunch of punches thinking he's gonna clean him up in a in a round like he had been doing with other people yeah so just have to see, man. It's going to be an entertaining fight uh, with this bad blood between the two, but uh, it's going to be a good one for sure. Now we're about to go to your boy GSP, man. How did you feel when he uh, about the return, uh, him putting in the paperwork and everything to get back into the octagon? I'm conflicted. <laughs> I mean, guys had one of the greatest careers ever. Uh, if he can come back and he's GSP, He's that cerebral fighter that always has a game plan that's better than who he's going against. Uh, then I'm excited to see it. But, I mean, it's been a long time that he's been out of the cage. Yeah, how uh, long has it been? What, I want to say, what, four or five years? Yeah. Yeah. 
And last fight he had was a controversial decision decision against Johnny Hendricks. Yeah. Apparently there was other stuff going on, so he was in his own head. But uh, everybody was wondering, was the decline start? Yeah. So I guess we get to see. I'm, I'm excited to see it. I'll be tuning in to see it. Uh, hopefully it's a nice matchup for him. I know Tyron Woodley really wants him. Um, but I don't know if they go ahead and give him that shot. I know he said he was open to fighting Bisping, but they gave him Dan Henderson. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Uh, if, I mean, in, in my opinion, that's, that's the greatest welterweight of all time, probably the greatest UFC champion of all time. So, yeah. Now, do you think he should get the, uh, instant championship fight? Because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, he was a champion and he uh, gave the title up. So, you know, nobody beat him for it. So what do you you think they should give it to him? Or would you see with all that time off, uh, he just get like a tune-up fight to get ready for a possible championship match? This is one of those situations where I think I'm fine with somebody getting an immediate title shot. He held the belt for so long and he gave it up. Yeah. Uh, like... The other situation, I would have been fine with it. Dominic Cruz, I don't think he needed to take a tune-up fight if he wanted to go straight up against Dillashaw. I think that that's a similar type situation. If if you relinquish belt for whatever reason, it was personal reasons for GSP, it was injury for uh, Cruz. But I just think when you've been that long-term of a champion like that, you want to get back in there and see if you can get your belt back. I'm okay with you getting that immediate shot. Yeah. I can, you know, I can definitely agree with you there. You know, you know, good and well out of anybody that I'm not the hugest GSP fan in the world, but at the end of the day, dude's one of the greatest to do it. So, um, he had the title, he gave it up, didn't get beat by it. So I, I wouldn't be, um, disappointed if they gave it to him. But I kind of, you know, just with how he's looked in the fight with Big Rig and then all that layoff, too, I think it would probably be the best interest for him to get a tune-up fight just because, you know, with all that rust and everything that uh, could lead up to the fight, that could play a huge disadvantage for him. But uh, at the end of the day, like I said, you know, he's one of the greatest to do it. So uh, if anybody could bounce back, it could be him. So I wouldn't have a problem with that at all. Uh, you have any other thoughts on the UFC? No, nah, big weekend coming up. Yeah, so I'm definitely going to be checking those fights out, man. It's going to be a pretty good card. Yep. Now we're about to get back to our NCAA talk. Uh, this week we're about to start off with the Big Ten. So uh, my man Tyler, he can get ready to hop in for this. But uh, who are some key players that you guys are going to be looking out for this season in the Big Ten? Yeah, Jump in there, you know. Ty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's really interesting when you when we get to, I guess, what we would consider two of the more elite conferences in college football. You know, it almost seems like every player is a big player, especially when you get to the upper echelon of these of these conferences. Because when we're going to be talking about the SEC, you know, we could easily name ten or twelve players and you can easily do the same in the in the Big Ten when it comes to, you know, who's who's gonna be a key player. Um so I'm I'm gonna go ahead and name who I think's gonna be a key player for who who I think the top 
couple couple teams are going to be because mainly if you're going to be watching these conferences, these are the players you're going to want to watch. So I'm going to go ahead and start with, you know, I guess my team in the Big Ten, Michigan, who is going to be a key player to watch. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go with a couple, one being whoever wins the quarterback battle. It currently appears it's between Wilton Spate and John O'Corn, who is a grad transfer. Um, if I had to guess, I think John O'Corn is going to win the spot. Uh, he showed some some good some good stuff in the spring game. Uh, showed some mobility, the ability to throw, the ability to stay in the pocket a little bit. Um, so he he has game experience in college. Uh, Wilton Spate last season led the game winning drive against Minnesota. So really, that's the only in game look we have of him. But John O'Corn has has some in-game experience when he played at Houston. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me if Harbaugh goes with the decision to go with another grad transfer like he did with Jake Rudock. And it worked out well, so uh, I would not be surprised if John O'Corn takes that spot. Um, also for Michigan, I'm going to go with the receiving core of Amara Darbo, J.Hu Chesson and Jake Butt, the tight end. Uh, those three guys are going to be catching what will seem like every touchdown for Michigan this year. Um, that offense is going to have to be on point if they're going to want to compete in some of the key games. Uh, it just seemed like last year when they played Michigan State uh, and Ohio State, really, at, at key times, the offense just kind of disappeared. They'd be rolling for a small stretch of time, and then it seemed like it was three and out, three and out, three and out. So... If the run game with Davion Smith can just be solid this year, um, when they face, you know, third and longs, which will happen, it happens to every team. If they can, you know, have some reliable hands to give it to, uh, that'll be big for them, keep some drives alive. Uh, in terms of Michigan State, who, who I think a key player is going to be, and I won't steal all your thunder because you'll know a little more than me, Darnell, but, uh, I, I really like LJ Scott, uh, very solid. He had the, really the big drive against, I won the Big Ten Championship game. That was really impressive. Uh, you know, just he he's a guy you can really give it to you know, 20 plus times a game. Uh, granted, I don't know if you want to do that all the time for his health, but, you know, he, he's an every down back, uh, really solid. And then the quarterback situation as well uh, is going to be interesting to keep an eye on. I know uh, there's uh, Terry and O'Connor, right? Yeah. Tyler O'Connor. Yeah, yeah, Tyler O'Connor. Those are the two guys that are going to be fighting for the position. Both very capable, but both bring different things, and Darnell will be able to touch a little bit better on that. And then as far as Ohio State, I think all eyes are on uh, JT Barrett. You know, the guy's a stud. Um, It's been his offense for a couple of years now, and it's really time for him to take full reign and really control what's his. Um, I really enjoy watching JT Barrett play. He has a great arm. Well, he's got a good arm and he's got good feet, you know, just a really solid quarterback. Um, able to keep plays alive with his feet, able to stand in the pocket and deliver a great throw when he needs to. Um, you know, I really, it's, it's going to be interesting to see who rises as his top receiver this year. Um, it seems like in college football, unless you have a legitimate stud tends to be somebody different each year. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see who steps up for JT Barrett in Ohio State this year in terms of catching the football. But I really like JT Barrett. I think he's going to really lead that team. I think they're going to have a great season. And those are, those are the, I think, on the three key teams, those are the key players and positions you really need to be looking for. 
Yeah. Uh, Ty covered basically the the beast of the Big Ten, so I'm I'm just gonna go kind of just players that you'll hear a lot about to yeah. look out for, basically on offense. Just to piggyback off a time ago with JT Barrett first, uh, there's no no QB controversy now. Uh, it's his spot. Mm-hmm. He gets to lead the way. He's an athletic quarterback, but he's shown he can throw. Uh, this is his season to try to you know try to put up Heisman numbers and put his name in the annals of uh, Buckeye history. So I think mm-hmm. that's that's a name you'll hear a lot. Uh, Saquon Barkley out of Penn State. Uh, he's probably mm-hmm. the best running back in the conference. He's going to be making noise all season because uh, he's probably going to be the primary option for Penn State, too. Uh, not sure what they're doing at quarterback. Uh, and uh, their offense hasn't been the greatest, even though they had an NFL drafted quarterback. Uh, I, I still mm-hmm. think it's just going to rely on the running game there. And then uh, I'm going to go back to quarterback and go with uh, C.J. Uh, Bethel out of Iowa. It's another season there for him. Uh, uh, Bethard, I mean, uh, his last name, but he's he's in a he's on the side of the conference where he basically gets to own it. Mm-hmm. So I mean, Iowa yeah. they lost some stuff, but they still should have enough to have a solid record and probably represent mm-hmm. that side of the conference. Uh, then on D, uh, I'll stay at Iowa and go Desmond King. Mm, uh, yeah, I mean it's it's a that, that guy's gonna play on Sundays. For yeah, sure. for sure. Yeah, he's he's a first round draft pick corner. He's a lockdown corner. Uh, he's 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 gonna be helping win games for Iowa and keep them on top of uh, on top of the that that side. And then uh, moving on to another corner from Michigan, Jordan Lewis. Uh, I think he's he's the top man on that D. He's not getting all the publicity. Uh, but I, I think that's their best defensive player. That's their their lockdown corner. He's a beast. Mm-hmm. We'll hear about him a lot. And then uh, back to my alma mater, Malik McDowell, uh, mm-hmm. uh, defensive tackle. He's 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 legit. He's NFL ready. He's probably a first round pick. Uh, offensive lines this year. Right. Yeah, you know, Trey. If I could just jump in real quick, a, ahead, a couple, man. a couple more names. Yeah, a couple more names just to look for. Um, you know, one we didn't mention that we probably should have was Jabril Peppers. Um, you know, played cornerback last season for, for Michigan. Uh, moved to the linebacker position, which is actually a more comfortable position for him. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see how he adjusted there, considering he had a spectacular freshman or. Uh, technically sophomore year but uh, i believe it was still his freshman year um yeah he redshirted he, you know he did yeah so yeah so so i mean it it'll be interesting to see him at a more comfortable position considering he had a, a really good season out of position if you will like i think that that's just going to be really interesting to watch him uh full flourish at another position and then two two more names on the defensive side of the ball, one for Michigan, Rashawn Gary, the number one recruit in the country. It's just, just when you're the number one recruit, eyes are on you. So it'll be interesting to see how he performs as he 
live up to the hype year one? Does he maybe blossom into a year two? That'll be interesting to see. Uh, and then for Ohio State, you know, Darnell, you can relate to this with the, uh, with the Bullas, but there's another Bosa in town. Oh, yeah. This time it's Nick Bosa. So it'll be interesting to see if he makes an immediate impact as well, or if it kind of takes him a year to figure some things out. But, you know, with, with the last name Bosa, you should be able to expect another really good football player. Mm-hmm. Now, you guys have anything else to add to the players? It's just a lot of them to look for in the Big Ten. <laughs> yeah. So be on the lookout yeah. for that conference. Yeah. Up next, uh, what about the key games you guys have um, on your list to watch this year in the conference? I can already, for me, instantly, that Michigan-Ohio State game is going to be crazy. So it's that's going to be one to see. But what about you guys? Well, I mean, I, I just think the trifecta basically between Michigan, Michigan yeah. State, and Ohio State, all three of those games will be uh, appointment viewing, and they're all going to be meaningful because those three teams all have uh, championship goals. So – uh, it's possible if if one of those three teams is just hot through the whole year, that's that's who's representing the Big Ten in the playoffs. So I yeah. think you have to mark down all three of those games. Yep, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I I think that's just a given, you know, with with the Big Ten coming out of the East side. But I'm gonna look at basically the entire schedule for Iowa. And the reason I say that is because a lot of people are going to pick Iowa to come out of that West division. Yeah. And rightfully so. I mean, they have, they have key returners at key positions. So really to shoo them in is not out of the question. That side of the conference is not as strong. But when you look at, you know, games like Nebraska, Penn State, Wisconsin, uh, Northwestern, I mean, those are just games they could potentially lose. They're, they're kind of trap games. You know, as Darnell alluded to last week, you know, I think that's just the great term for it. It's like you step in a trap that you never saw. So I think Iowa will have some close calls this year. Uh, and in terms of that eastern side or that west side, I'm still going to pick them to win it. Don't get me wrong. But I do think they have some games they they can lose. Um, really against, you know, just those middle of the pack teams that have nothing to lose now just real quick how did you guys feel about Iowa last year because they kind of they caught me off guard for sure uh do you think that team was for real last year or like how do you just feel about them I but I'll go ahead yeah you know I, I think they were on the brink of being for real okay I, I, I think they needed one or two really good regular season tests that would have prepared them a little better for the Big Ten Championship. But when the stage came, they rose to it. And, I mean, they took Michigan State down, really, to the the last drive. Uh, I think it was a heck of a Big Ten Championship game. I think that's kind of what everybody would want to see if you weren't, you know, having a rooting interest. I think everybody, that was the type of football game you wanted to watch. You know, it was... You know, it was intense. It was action packed, you know, down to the last second. And I, I just think they were a couple of regular season good battles short of winning that game. 
Um, but I think if they can if they can run the table again to the Big Ten championship, then you would almost have to say, hey, maybe they were for real. Yeah. 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 I mean, they they caught everybody off guard. I mean, mm-hmm. nobody expected an undefeated Iowa going into the Big Ten championship. Yeah. Uh, but it was just like one of those cloak and dagger type teams. Like nobody thought they were as good as their record was because they they didn't have the strongest schedule. But, yeah, true. But they were beating everybody that was put in front of them. They they were handling their business, doing what they should do. They had very good players at key positions. Uh, players that I, I just mentioned. I mean, uh, King and and Beathard, both really good players. Yeah. And they had a solid running game. And I mean, they they showed that they were a real team in that Big Ten championship against Michigan State. It came down to one of the best final drives I've ever seen in my life. And it came down to the last play of the game, basically. So they they earned my respect. They were a surprise team. I don't think they will recapture that magic this season. Uh but I mean it was a, a season to remember if you're a if you're a Hawkeye fan. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Now who do you guys have in the conference game and who do you have winning? At all, uh, pains me to do this. <laughs> I, I do not have my Spartans in the in the conference final. I'm rooting for it, uh, but I'm y'all lost this. a lot of talent, man. Uh, we did with seniors and just skilled players, man. Y'all lost a lot, so it's gonna be interesting to see how coach gets those guys uh, ready for this season. But yeah, y'all lost some talent, so. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I just think it comes down to, like, I, I know Ohio State lost a lot, but their recruiting classes that they had just rolling through, uh, I think it's, uh, Michigan has a very good team. Their defense is legit. Uh, but I still think just the adjustment on offense, I, I don't trust their running backs. Uh, I, I just, I don't think Davion Smith is that good. They they haven't found that spark yet where they'll have a consistent running game. Uh, Spate or O'Corn, they're both serviceable QBs, and I actually think Michigan probably has one of the best receiving cores in the conference. But I just think Ohio State they they're already at that place where they're reloading and not rebuilding. So I have them facing Iowa in the conference championship and and beating Iowa. Yeah, you know, it's it's hard to disagree with what you just said. You know, I a part of me with 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 Davion Smith and you mentioned him running back at Michigan, a part of me wants to just say like watching them play every single week, not missing a snap. You know, it 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 pains me to say that Davion Smith isn't that good. Um I think he's good. I just think it's kind of it's kind of the Barry Sanders syndrome, you know. The offensive line doesn't give him enough. Um, you know, the only difference is, you know, Barry Sanders was able to create his own space, and Davion Smith can't do that. Sometimes he misses the hole. Sometimes he just, I don't know, isn't patient enough behind his blockers. Uh, and I think the running game is going to be more dependent on the offensive line than it is on Davion Smith, um, despite any of that conversation, I still think 
Ohio State is going to be winning the winning the East. Just just like you said, Darnell, uh, I think they have the right leadership at the right position mm-hmm. in JT Barrett, and I, I think JT Barrett. I mean, the guys is setting Ohio State records. Um, this is basically his year to do it. I, I bet he's still so hungry from, you know, leading the team into the playoff or into the Big Ten championship game and getting hurt. Uh, mm-hmm. That was that that was his team, and it just a, a different story played out. Um, I, I I have always respected Ohio State. They always had good teams. Um, don't like them, but <laughs> you know how that is. Um, and then on the east or the the west side, once again going with Iowa. I mean, it, it's that's the no brainer pick, if you will. Yeah. But like I said, if if they fall into one or two of those trap games, we may see a different story play on the west side. You know, I I think they can still get into the Big Ten championship with one conference loss, maybe two. Um, I think the only other team we can see doing anything would be Wisconsin, and it's not like they're super impressive either. So, yeah, I, yeah, I, I think the winner out of of the the winner on that side is coming out probably with two losses uh, between. Yeah. I think Wisconsin and Nebraska are both good enough th- this season to beat Iowa. It just yeah. depends on who will and and how they fare against each other. Those three. Yeah. And and I think one one key factor there is the fact that Iowa gets both Nebraska and Wisconsin at home. Yeah. Yeah. And I, Wisconsin or. Uh, Iowa tends to play well at home, uh, a little bit better at home than they may normally appear. Uh, just something about, you know, Iowa City gives them what they need. And being able to play your big games at home is something that they like to take advantage of. Mm-hmm. I think you know from watching Michigan State travel there every once in a while. It oh, seems yeah. like we ran into yeah, that. Oh. Yeah, yeah. It seems like Iowa always just brings it at home and that they sometimes lack on the road. I mean, I've seen Michigan win at Iowa big and I've seen them win close and lose. So, I mean, whichever Iowa team decides to show up in those big games is going to be the one that, you know, either makes it to the big 10 championship game or loses out. I mean, I think their, their biggest road game is at Penn state. Um, that's a six thirty start. So they're going to be going into the night, into the night in the dark there and when it gets dark at uh, Beaver Stadium it gets it gets loud so I think that game could be one that they potentially lose but I, I still like Iowa coming out of that side yeah yeah I agree with you uh, both here um, I think Iowa's going to win out of the West and then I think Ohio State's going to get it I'm just a huge fan of Urban Meyer so I'm going to be rooting for that team in a Big Ten so you know y- y'all already know I don't care about Michigan State and Michigan so um yeah, so just going to be rooting for uh, Hope Urban Meyer goes out there and he can uh, do it for Ohio State. So, Well, no, neither no of us comment. will be rooting for it, even though we, we think <laughs> you're right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. This is just me trying to be not biased and yeah. state facts here. But. Yeah. 
I'm surprised you ain't getting I, caught I, I up think... in all the hype for Harbaugh. Uh, Ty, I thought she would, with all that stuff, he's been uh, making the news I... and stuff, man. I thought he'd be getting Here, you the Here's my him. deal. Here, Here's my deal. Love Harbaugh. Love what he's doing. Even though it might rub people off the wrong way, I love his attitude. Yeah. I love his I don't care what you think, we're just going to do what we're going to do attitude. I, I think that that's what college kids like to see in a head coach. They like to see a guy that is going to just rally around his team and you know back them up no matter what and just kind of say, hey, forget everyone else. Um, I think that's great. I think he's brought in a good recruiting class. I think 9-3. and three, was a success despite losing their three biggest games of the year. Um, I think he's leading the team in the right direction. Um, but I think they're still, still got some I, I work think there's still one year. Yeah. Um, I think they still have to learn to win the big game. And I think that's, not so much a culture issue for Harbaugh because I think he gets those guys ready. I think, you know, I think he had them ready for Michigan State last year. They just lost it on a bizarre play at the end. I think he had them pumped up enough and ready for Ohio State. I think the players just got out there and kind of just fell into a shock once they fell behind because they were rolling going into that game. They were rolling going into the Michigan State game. I, I think they just kind of fell in or they just kind of hit a brick wall against Ohio State. And first game of the year against Utah, uh, that was just first game of the year stuff. They looked like they were a team with a new head coach and a new quarterback. I mean, there there's just no getting around that. So my my thing with Harbaugh is love it. I love what he's doing. I love the players he's bringing in. I think they just need the experience of winning the big game. Um, once they can win one big game, that'll lead to two, that'll lead to three, four, five, and set them on their way for the future. I just think they're still one year away. I, I would like to see uh, quarterback Brandon Peters, who they recruited for this year's freshman, take the job next year, really get good preparation this year and have the job for two or three years i would i would really like that i think they need a solid quarterback in the system i don't think they need to be continuing bringing in grad transfers um i understand the thought process behind it um harbaugh bringing in a guy that can run his system especially when he this is his first recruiting class so it's not like he got a guy in last year um, he he more is just now getting his players that he would like to see. So I, I still think they're one year out from the Big Ten championship game. So I'm I'm already going to say right now, next year I'm picking them to go to the college football playoff. All right. Um, this year, I think I think this year's still a learning experience. I really right. do. Do you expect though a win versus one of your two rivals? Yes, I do. I do. Okay. The so reason I, and yeah, I was saying I, I I would I would just I would think that's probably the next step in the progression. You have yeah. to yes. be one of the two teams. Yeah, and and I and and that's kind of my point. You know, I think and that's one of the big games I'm talking about for sure. You know, I I think it would be great if they could, you know, beat 
Ohio State or beat Michigan State and give them all the momentum in the world going into that Ohio State game. But if for some reason they can't beat Michigan State, I think it would be great to beat Ohio State and kind of spoil something for them. Um, Maybe beat Ohio State and somehow get into the playoff and get get into the Big Ten Championship game. I mean, I I think it's... I. For some reason, if if Michigan can beat one of the two, I think it's going to come down to a tiebreaker. Um, I think Michigan could potentially get into that Ohio State game undefeated or or one loss. I think that's possible, but okay. I I think I think they just need to win a big game. Their their schedule is pretty light going into Michigan State. I think they should be undefeated playing Michigan State. And then going to Michigan State's gonna be that's gonna be a tough game. Michigan State's defense is still gonna be solid despite losing a lot of players on offense. Um, so I think that's gonna be a tough game for them. It's rivalry game. Anything happens, we've learned that. Um, but I, I think you know it just comes down to you. I don't know what it takes. I I don't play football. I I'm not. I've never been a part of a college program. I've never been around really a college program outside of being in the stands. But you, he's a golfer, it, everybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but you, you know how it is when when you're setting a goal for yourself, you have to take logical steps to get there. So, in order for Michigan to get to the Big Ten Championship, they have to win a big game. And whether that's going to happen this year or not is going to be is yet to be seen. But I I think this is the year they win a a big game, if not both. All right, guys. Uh, you guys have anything else to add to the Big Ten? I think this will be one of the better. <laughs> I think this will be one of the better Big Ten years at the top yeah. for sure. Yeah. Y'all think they can dethrone uh, the SEC after this season as being a top conference? This is probably one of the better seasons to have that chance. Uh, I agree. I th- I think there'll be some more. Weaknesses shown in the SEC this season. Okay, I agree. I think uh, the SEC may potentially see a team that's not a normal power have a pretty good year. Yeah, um, I think, and and we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. But um, I I think all eyes are still on Alabama down there. But I think a lot of people are also kind of peeking out of the corner of their eye and seeing LSU as well. So. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. But I think, like Darnell said, this will be one of the better years for the Big Ten to have an opportunity to take a big game from the SEC. Yeah. Speaking of SEC, we're about to get right into it. Um, who are the key guys you guys want to see uh, playing in the SEC this year? You want me to start out on yeah. this one? Yeah. Yeah, you can take it. Go for it. Uh, I mean, I kind of got to go vague again on this one. I mean, with Alabama, they lost a ton. So yeah. you want to see who steps up for them. Uh, it's going to be a new quarterback. They got to make up for a ton on defense. But uh, everything for them is probably going to be based around their stud left tackle. Uh, Cam Robinson, uh, he's he's going to be probably what gets that team rolling. He's going to be uh, protecting the run game. 
So that's probably number one there that I would say to look at just because of what he's going to be tasked to do uh, to keep that offense uh, to to protect them while they're learning, uh, protect the quarterback and lead a a running back to the promised land. Uh, Then uh, next I go to Georgia, Nick Chubb uh, coming off knee surgery. Uh, but he was still looking like he was looking ridiculous until that happened. Yeah. Uh, can he come back and show that he's probably a, a first round type running back uh, and help lead Georgia to po- possibly get back to prominence on the, in the SEC East? Uh, those are probably my two main players I want to look to see what they do. Uh, and of course, Leonard Fournette. You can't. Yeah. Uh, either, but. Yeah, one thing just uh, with Leonard, uh, my dude's going to be Eisman hopeful uh, this year. But just with last year, uh, LSU, they didn't really have that great of a passing game. So a lot of people, they could put a lot of guys up in there and box them, uh, put a lot of people in the box to stop them. Still went uh, absolutely crazy on the uh, defense. But it's just going to be interesting to see with LSU just – if they can get a passing game going and kind of keep uh, the defense honest and not load the guys up in the box and everything, this could be a great time for them to possibly get more yardage and get more big plays uh, with them since they could keep the defense honest. But just be interested to see with LSU. Yeah, you know, speaking of Leonard Fournette, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and put him as my, my number one player to watch in the SEC. You know, he's going to be a Heisman candidate. Uh, all eyes are going to be on him. He was a stud last year and – you know, just kind of faded out at some really key moments for LSU. But kind of like Trey was saying, they need to find a passing game so they're not one-dimensional. Yeah. Just about everybody knew that Leonard Fournette is going to get the ball close to 30 times a game. And that's what they did. And and that could damage you too, man. Getting it can. 30 uh, carries a game. Uh, it can. That can. Yeah, that's a lot of... Yeah, uh, you know, um, his, health, his health is in jeopardy there his future's in jeopardy when you're getting that many carries so i mean he, he's still going to be really good he's still going to get his yards he's still going to get his touchdowns it's just going to be interesting to see if maybe they try and work him out of the backfield and maybe get him some passing yards this year like maybe build a passing game that involves him yeah um i i think that would be very logical and that'll also give you know nfl teams Something to really look at is the NFL's really starting to thrive around a pass catching back, uh, considering he's most likely going to be playing on Sundays. Why not go ahead and give him that type of exposure to the NFL? Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what Les Miles does with him and that, you know, offense kind of figure out what a good game plan week in, week out is going to be with, you know, the offensive coordinator and see how they can really work Leonard Fournette in unpredictable ways. Because uh, I don't think we saw that a lot last year. It was just a lot of Leonard Fournette up the middle, Leonard Fournette up the middle. And it became predictable, almost became a little bit boring, if, especially when he wasn't breaking them big and he was getting stopped. It just They just became really boring to watch. Um, you know, another, you know, another position I think is going to be a, a good watch. Uh, Darnell alluded to it maybe just a little bit. But, you know, who's going to be quarterback for Alabama this year? Yeah. Uh, Coker was a big-time player down the stretch for that team. And really, after they lost to Ole Miss last year, mm-hmm. Alabama kind of hit another gear. Um, yeah. You know, they, they got back to their winning ways. Granted, a lot of it was, you know, on the shoulders of Derrick Henry and 
he was a beast down the stretch for them too. But you know, Coker made some huge throws, especially in the college football playoff. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so that's not something you just replace by telling a guy, all right, go out and do it. You know, it's something that comes with experience. It's something that comes with, you know, just reps and practice and reps and games and preparation during the week. Um, that, that'll be just really a key, a key factor in what Alabama decides to do this year. Yeah. You know, a good quarterback's the difference between SEC title game and not. So are they going to get another Coker, another kind of diamond in the rough, or are they going to get a dud? I mean, it's it's one. Of, it seems like it's been one of the two in recent years for Alabama. Either they get a guy that can really do it, or they get a guy that just kind of is okay. Um, another player that, you know, is going to be for Alabama, like Darnell said, Cam Robinson, defense is his, you know, a couple – key defensive players went in the draft for Alabama and that that defense that's usually always very stout is you know going to revolve around him and it'll be interesting to see how he leads the defense how he performs individually um just that Alabama defense has been key for them for years that or at least the last bunch of years I can remember and it always seems like a player on that defense is always a big time player and this year it's it's his turn and then also from Georgia and Nick Chubb, just the guy was really a stud. He was must-watch TV at the time. Then he went down with the ACL, I believe, and kind of cut his year short. So it'll be interesting to see if he can recover from an ACL like uh, like another Georgia Bulldog, Todd Gurley, or if he'll just kind of be serviceable, okay, maybe have a game here or there. Uh, but in terms of the SEC players, I, I think those are some of the key names for sure. Yeah, just two more. Uh, you know, we were talking about the Alabama with the whole um, quarterback situation. Um, I don't expect Alabama's quarterback to, you know, have like an Eisman performance year or anything like that. I kind of see them being uh, whoever starts to kind of be a game manager, you know, clock manager uh, for the team, uh, kind of like with the previous Alabama quarterbacks have had under the um, previous years under Saban, but uh, two guys I'm going to be looking for to kind of help uh, move the offense, uh, keep the offense on the field with their new quarterback. Um, I'm going to be looking out for Calvin Ridley and uh, my man O.J. Howard uh, as well, those two. Uh, Calvin Ridley, he's had a great freshman year, um, I think 1,045 yards, and um, seven touchdowns is coming into a sophomore year. And my man, OJ Howard, he just went beast, um, in a championship game. Thanks to people not covering, but I still, you know, got to still absolutely play football. So those are just two guys I think going to help that Alabama, um, offense move the chains, um, through passing. So those are just two guys I say be out on the lookout for too, to help with the, uh, recent, the new quarterback change at Alabama. So. Now, what about key games in the conference for you guys? You know, I, I think you have a couple obvious ones. The LSU-Alabama game every year is, you know, tune in TV, you got to watch it. Uh, it's usually always a good 
3.30 game, if not primetime. So that that's one I'll definitely be watching. I'm also going to be really interested in watching Georgia play, you know, a couple of their bigger games with new head coach Kirk Smart. Um, you know, watching them play like Ole Miss, Tennessee, uh, and probably it'll be interesting to see how he handles Auburn as well. Uh, Auburn, not as strong as they've been uh, lately, but I still think that could be an interesting game, especially if Georgia doesn't gel real quick. Uh, one more game I'm interested in is at the Alabama Ole Miss rematch. Uh, this time it's, it's at Ole Miss. Uh, I think tempers will flare a little in that game. I think that'll be a physical game. It'll be a uh, hype game. It'll be a well-played game, uh, I believe, from both sides. Uh, just last year, I don't think anybody really expected Alabama to lose to Ole Miss, so I think they're going to be looking for a little bit of revenge. Yeah, I agree with you, Ty. Uh, the Alabama rivalries, uh, those are just some of my favorite rivalries in football. Um, I don't care whatever team is ranked whenever they play, how high they're ranked or how low they're ranked. Anything can happen in those games. Anybody can come out victorious. Uh, so that, those games are always fun with Alabama. Like you said, with Ole Miss and Alabama, uh, I think that's going to be a pretty good game as well. Both teams losing uh, key great players. Um, but one thing that uh, either team, I wouldn't like to say, I wouldn't uh, be discouraged with a loss with either team because there's one good thing about this game is that it's going to be played earlier in the season. And one thing we know is better to lose early than lose late. Um, mm -hmm. So this could be game changers for either team. Uh, whatever happens when they get on the field, they can end up getting better. Like I said, Alabama lost, and after that loss, they just started to pick it up and start playing great football. So it's going to be good games uh, coming from those teams. Yeah, I can agree that Alabama Ole Miss game is going to be interesting to watch to see uh, how fired up Alabama comes in for it because, you know, a, a, a lot of talk went in that game, especially after Ole Miss won from uh, Chad Kelly and company. Yeah. Uh, so I, I am interested in that. Uh, I also want to see – uh, the media darling of the SEC East this year, Tennessee. I want to see how they do against Alabama uh, when they play and how they do against Florida early in the season. Uh, they also play Georgia. So, I mean, everybody is, is high on them. So those games are going to be big to show if they're a legit team or not or if it's the same old Tennessee that hasn't been good since uh, Peyton Manning was there. Yeah. Uh, also, I want to see like some of your other traditional matchups. You want, you want to see Georgia and Florida go at it, uh, see how that does uh, in the East. And then, of course, like first game mentioned, Alabama-LSU. Uh, that's kind of been the, the game to choose who, who wins the SEC over the last few years. So uh, let's, let's see how that goes down. And just like another like key games are going to be watching for me. Um, I'm just going to be following Georgia this year. Um, I was a huge fan of Kirby Smart when he was at Alabama. I love his uh, just defense, and I'm just going to be willing, just going to be uh, willing to watch see what he's going to be doing with that Georgia team um, over there. See what type of 
how he's going to improve their defense and everything with that team over the next couple of years. He's going to be there. So this is going to be a team that I'm going to be watching uh, this season as well. So Now, who do you guys have in the conference game? And who do you have winning? I am going with LSU over ten over Georgia. I mean. Ooh. Not feeling Bama or what, man? It's one of those years <laughs> like like two years back where I just didn't trust their secondary. Yeah. They they have a decent secondary, but they don't have a lot of depth. So if somebody gets hurt, it can mean bad things. Yeah. And I know I know LSU last year was terrible uh, as far as their passing game goes. They they had to have improved some, I would expect. Yeah. And I just I, I just think they have a little bit more coming back, and I'm not sure about Alabama's quarterback situation this this season. I mean, uh, Cooper Bateman, who looks like he'll probably be starting, he's from the little bit we got to see of him last year. He's not bad, but it's not like that. Elder statesman that's taken over like Alabama's had the last two years with uh, seniors uh, under center. So I'm not sure. Yeah, and you know, I think you made an interesting point there as well. You know, saying don't really trust Alabama's secondary. You know, I I actually really like that statement because a lot of times a lot of people are really quick to point to the quarterback when talking about why. You don't trust a team, and the, and as valid as that point is, I think, you know, a defense can really set a tone and give a lot of confidence to an offense, especially a young offense and a, you know, like a new starting quarterback. So mm-hmm. I think a team is more likely to win with a good defense than with a good offense. Yeah. So I, so I, I just think that that was a very interesting and agreeable point you made. Um, in terms of who I am going to have winning in the SEC divisions, the, it, it's it's hard because, I mean, Florida won the East last year and then got smoked. So I don't want to pick them. <laughs> um, like you guys said, Alabama's lost a lot. But I hate picking against Saban because it usually ends up being a bad pick. But I don't really trust anybody else on the West side except LSU. Um, you know, honestly, I'm going to pick LSU in the West. Um, a good run game does a lot for an offense, Trey. Um, yeah. I know you have concerns about their passing game, but when teams focus on Leonard Fournette, like Darnell said, if they've made any improvement in the passing game, that should be wide open. It should be a lot of man coverage, uh, trying to, you know, pack the box against Leonard Fournette and try and stop him. So if you have any wide receiver that's a decent route runner, and as long as, you know, the quarterback's completing over, even if it's barely over half of his passes, they should be okay. Um, I, I also think the L- the LSU defense is getting a little bit of hype this offseason as well. A lot of people like, like their defense. They usually have a pretty solid defense. Them in Alabama usually end up in a low-scoring game. So defense is never short with either of those teams. But um, I, I just think LSU will be able to to do enough with Leonard Fournette to get past Alabama, um, even though that's not a very confident pick, and I'll admit that. Um, 
And then in the East, I'll actually go with the team that is being hyped. I will go with Tennessee. I think their schedule is easy enough. Um, they're at Georgia, which could be a loss for them. Like uh, you guys have said, that's going to be a good a good game to catch in the SEC. So I think even if they lose to Alabama this year at home, I think just the rest of their schedule sets up really well. I mean, the second half of their schedule is kind of a cupcake. I mean, after they play Alabama, which will be a very tough game, they get a bye week, which will be nice to rest the players, give them a couple days off, um, really kind of refocus themselves, win or lose. I think that's that's going to be a great bye week for them. Uh, but after they come back from that, they play South Carolina, Tennessee Tech, which is a school I've never heard of, <laughs> Kentucky, Missouri, and Vanderbilt. So if they can really get to that bye week with one or two losses, I think they'll run the table the rest of the way and get into the SEC championship game. All right. Oh, and, and they, they start the year with Appalachian State, not a blow-off. Yeah. Don't blow it off. <laughs> Take it seriously. <laughs> yeah, man. That was a classic game that's, between them and Michigan, man. Yeah. yeah. I was there. I was there. Yo, I you were actually there. at the game? I was at that game, yes. Wow. I was actually there, too, Ty. Were you? Yeah. Interesting. That place was in shock. <laughs> that, no, seriously, that you could have heard a pin drop in that place. <laughs> That that, that was funny, one of the most honestly though that was one of the most like surreal moments I've ever been a part of. Oh yeah, when that field goal got blocked, it was just like unbelievable. Are you serious? Unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, the guy just straight up missed his block. Yeah, guy came right off the corner and hey, oh. I I give it to Armani Edwards in that offense. They they were they were ready to play. Yeah. Yeah, you guys brought up uh, interesting points with um, LSU, but I'm going to stick with Alabama, just win in doubt, going to roll with the champs. Uh, mm-hmm. They're defending champs, and so I'm going to go with team. them. Yeah, yeah so, <laughs> true. Can't pick it's, against the favorite. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, man, I'm just nervous about Alabama, like I said, with the whole quarterback situation to see um, how they're going to be clock managers for the team. But, like I said, I do – I think Ridley's going to have a great year uh, for his sophomore year, and I think my man O.J. Howard, he's going to uh, help him, too, move the chains. And uh, just my man, like I said, my man Kirby Smart, he's not going to be there anymore to help um, coach that defense. So it's Alabama's going to have some question marks to me for sure, but I'm going to roll with them. And just, like I said, I have to see with uh, LSU, just with their passing game. Uh, like I said, Leonard Fournette, he's an absolute beast. He's going to be in the Eisman discussion for sure, but I just need to see that uh, passing game for LSU as well. So, But the key thing, like you kind of said, Darnell, they can't be any worse than last year. So it's going to be um, just interesting to watch how these two would duke it out. So <clears throat> for that, uh, when they play in the um, – for the rivalry game, it's going to be really fun uh, experiences to see how they, these two would just square off at each other. And for the East, I'll go with Tennessee. I just think with their schedule, uh, they'll just be able to pull it off and make it to the conference game. So, um, yeah, SEC should be fun to watch for sure. Um, you guys have anything else to add to the conference? Yeah, just I, I guess real quick, you know, we've we've mentioned Ole Miss a couple of times. I think it's pretty safe to say that you have 
LSU and Alabama as the two favorites in the West, and then Ole Miss is kind of that third team, and there's everybody else. Do you guys give Ole Miss any realistic shot of maybe getting into the SEC championship this game? If they can repeat a win against, you know, Alabama, I mean, I, I think you have to maybe look at them pretty seriously. Yeah. Ole Miss, I mean, Ole Miss is a beast, man. They just, like, it's, they've just been under that whole, um, well, everybody's been under Alabama, uh, really throughout yeah. the years up in that com- conference. So it's, they have the talent to do it. But like I said, with just, um, LSU and Alabama, those mm-hmm. two being the favorites just throughout the last, uh, really like the decade, really. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's just kind of hard to root against Alabama or LSU, but Ole Miss, they have the yeah. talent to do it. You know, they would just have to just pull through. Yeah, cause the, and, and I guess the, the main reason I say that is because they play Alabama third week of the season. Yeah. And I feel like if they, they play Florida State week one, which I think a lot of people will give them the loss in, then they have a cupcake and then they play Alabama. Yeah. So, you know, I, I just feel like if they can somehow win that game again, does that give them the confidence they need to maybe beat LSU in October and maybe get out of the regular season with one loss. I mean, not impossible, but, yeah. I mean, I think unlikely. Like I said, win or lose, whenever they are out of the Ole Miss or uh, Alabama, Ole Miss-Alabama game, I think both teams uh, should end up getting better and learn some, learning something out of that game. So um, it's going to be a tough game for these two teams to play, but I think both teams, regardless of a uh, win or a loss, I think they're going to get better. And, uh, yeah, I mean, forward, I don't, so. I, I don't think Ole Miss is going to beat Alabama. I, I just think as that third team that can really spoil a party, yeah. they'd be likely to do it. Yeah, I don't, I like I said, I agree with that statement. You know, just like I said, you know, just like everybody's been going for you to Alabama or mm-hmm. LSU, you know, in the previous years. But like I said, they have the talent to do it. You know, they just need to stay focused and capitalize on opportunities when it comes. So. I think they have a very good offense. They'll have a very good offense just basically because Jack Kelly's still there. He's a very mm-hmm. good quarterback. I don't think their defense is as good as it was last year, which I think will be a big issue for them. Uh, yeah, and I agree. Know, yeah, losing some good D linemen. They lost some people in the secondary. I just and and their their early schedule is is hell. I mean, yeah, Florida, Florida State. State. Two games later, you get Bama, Georgia back after that. Arkansas is probably a trap game for them. Then you follow that up with LSU. I just think it's too much of a meat grinder for them. Yeah. Yeah. Now, anything else to add, I guess? No. Get that season here. Yeah. Now, have a little bit more NCAA talk. Um you know, with Alabama right now, uh, what did you guys think about the whole, like, saving transfer situation that was going on, uh, you know, with him not wanting to transfer a guy to the um, same conference? It's something that happens, but, I mean, it's, it's starting to get just a little tiring. I mean, it's just kind of that that one issue with college sports. I mean, it, they, you want to call them student athletes, but then 
stuff like this happens. I'm not letting you go to this school because I don't want you helping the competition. I don't want our too much of our playbook going there, yada, yada. Yeah. But it's like if 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 you want to represent these kids as student athletes, uh, release them from the scholarship, let them go to the school he wants to go to because, you know, you're not giving them a check. So let's let's not treat it like like that serious. But I do understand from the coach's perspective, but it's just kind of something that they need to figure out some new rules about either set it so they can go within conference, set it so they can't, so we don't have issues like this where coaches have to debate whether to let somebody out of their uh, their commitment. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you, um, Darnell. I was pretty heated um, when I heard about this. Um, I think there needs to be more uh, reform for the players. Um, this, I just don't like the whole idea that a player can come to a college and uh, just bust their ass off, go out there, man. And it's hot as it's hot in Alabama. Me and you've been in Alabama, man. When yeah. that sun in the summer, that that heat is no joke, man. So for them to go out there, literally bust their tails off, and then if they don't like it there anymore, they find a better opportunity to go somewhere else that could help them further their career, possibly go professionally, and then say, oh, well, you know, he's in the same conference. You can't go there. I just don't like that whole um, idea. I mean, these are guys, they can't even let their likeness get used in a freaking video game. And you tell me, like, they can't even at least get allowed to go somewhere where they want to play. Um, so it's just, I, I didn't like the whole uh, just uh, things that was just stirring up out of that whole situation. You know, but Saban, you know, he was, he could do that. That was the rule. Uh, but I, I did not like that. I think they should change the rules to help the players uh transfer and things like that look out for the players more yeah i uh, definitely agree with what both you're saying uh, the the thing is is you know each year a new recruiting class is coming in and if there's a better player in the recruiting class he's going to play over you so a lot of times that's why these players want to transfer uh just due to the fact that they may not be playing and i think you're almost robbing you know the athlete in in the student athletes, you know, if if you want to recognize them as student athletes, you're still recognizing them as athletes. And if you're gonna say, hey, you can't transfer, you're not gonna play here, but you can't transfer. I I think that that's really hindering the potential of a kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's weird for me to say kid because I'm not older than a lot of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. But <laughs> but but I mean, you know, it's it's the to me it's the idea that if a kid or if a if a player is choosing to transfer, that's a decision he's making. It shouldn't be a decision that somebody else makes for him. Yeah. And whether he wants to transfer to a different school or, you know, may, maybe to get more play time or he wants to stay and potentially not play, that should solely be up to the decision of the player, not the coach. Um, I think a coach should do what he can to have a player stay, but I don't think a coach should be able to force a kid to stay saying, you know, you know, well, I have a rule. So are you basically holding the kid hostage? <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it, it's, it's basically what it is. I mean, if a player wants to transfer, he should be able to transfer. It shouldn't be a big deal. Um, you know, the off season is basically free agency for college. Yeah. 
you know, if it, it gives players the opportunity to leave if they so choose. Yeah. And just another thing, too, like with the whole recruiting process, you know, a lot of people look at the head coaches as the main reasons why they'd be, why players get recruited. But other factors play in that as well. You know, here's a guy, you know, like I mentioned, I like Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart was a defensive coordinator for the team. So when he went there, possibly visited the team, he probably met Kirby Smart was like, okay, I like this guy. I think this guy could play a huge role in my success, possibly have me go pro and be a successful uh, defensive player. Now Kirby left. Uh, he went to Georgia where Kirby Smart is. So there's other factors that could play in besides the head coach and why a player decided to go to that team in the first place. So I just think just, just overall, I think there should be better ways how players can just transfer out and be able to play for uh, either college, uh, whatever college they want to, regardless of conference. Because either way, you know, the SEC, the NCAA, they was making a lot of money off these guys, regardless of where they were playing. So mm -hmm. Now, up next, uh, we're just about to talk about the preseason poll. Uh, what do you guys think about the poll? Is it too high? Are some of the teams rated too high, too low, or what? Go ahead and start that one there now. I mean, it's always hard to judge when you're talking about preseason rankings because not it. Not a single game has been played, so we don't know how these teams look. Yeah. So I mean, we're we're all judging it based on what these teams lost, what they gained in recruiting, and recruiting is a bunch of eighteen-year-olds coming in that you don't know how their head is going to be in the game, yeah. uh, athletic talent or not. Uh, looking at it, I mean, I'm 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 okay with with it how it is. Uh, I would probably, I would probably flip Clemson and Alabama. Yeah, same here. I just think Alabama they got too many yeah. uh, problems right now, uh, yeah. potential problems. I'll say since yeah. the preseason. But. Yeah, I mean, just like I said, they they lost a lot. They lose a lot every year in the draft. There's but they're still usually a top five team. So I'm not saying they're grossly overranked. I just wouldn't put them number one. Uh, Clemson didn't lose quite as much, and the, the players returning, they have they have the highest quality player returning. So I probably have Clemson one, uh, Alabama two or three. Uh, I probably would drop Oklahoma down to like five or so. Yeah. Uh, maybe I outside of I, I would probably drop Stanford down a little bit too. Uh, just cause okay. I, I think I think their quarterback loss is going to be bigger than most people. Uh, believe. Hey, they got uh, McCaffrey though, man. He could do everything for him, dude. They might have him at quarterback and defense, man. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you put that much on one player, I definitely cannot say you're a top ten team. So that's that's. I, I I think they should probably be somewhere around maybe twelve to fifteen until they can show that they have a quarterback that's serviceable enough to. Uh, go through those games if if they come against a stout front seven that can keep uh, McCaffrey in check somewhat. What about you, Ty? Yeah, you know, I think if you ask just about anybody who's a fan of college football, that'd be the general consensus that Clemson and Alabama should be switched. Um, I think, once again, Sean Watson coming back, I think that should be enough to have Clemson number one. Whether they use that as motivation or not, I don't know. But I think Clemson knows they're good enough to get right back to where they were last year and hopefully have a different outcome. I actually like 
Oklahoma at three. I think Baker Mayfield, you know, key returner at a key position. Um, I think Oklahoma is going to be a team that just reloads from last year. They, you know, you don't rebuild, you reload. I think they're going to be one of those teams this year. Um, I'm, I'm okay with Florida State at four, even though I think they'll, they'll climb pretty quick. I think they, they could potentially win a couple early games pretty big and maybe flip flop into that third or second position just based off of how big they're winning a couple of games. Um, you know, I think Ohio State at, you know, fives pretty secure. One team I'm going to be interested to see, I think it's an appropriate ranking, um, is Notre Dame. Uh, they're going to have, you know, a quarterback competition off that's going to be off the charts. And, uh, oh, what's the name? Zaire and what's the other guy's name? Anyway. Uh, I, I think Notre Dame has potential to have a really good year. Um, it'll really depend on what happens with their defense. I think their defense was kind of their Achilles heel yeah. last season. So, um, that'll be interesting. One, one team that I think should be ranked a little higher than they are. I'm actually going to go down and talk about Iowa, uh, currently ranked 21, I believe. And, uh, I just think only having one loss last year and having key returners at key spots um, should make them a little bit higher. And now I'm not saying they should be inside the top 10 or anything, but I, I, I think being ranked 21, I think it's just a reflection of their schedule more than anything else. Yeah. Um, last year kind of had a weak schedule, have a weak schedule again. Uh, they'll have all the chance in the world to climb. Um, so I, I think that's, one team I would like to see be, see ranked a little higher. Um, one team, a couple teams I think that are ranked uh, also a little poorly. I think USC at 15. I think they should be a little bit lower just because they haven't proved anything lately. Um, they they kind of had the the Michigan syndrome for a while. You know, I call it the Michigan syndrome where you you just get good recruits and nothing comes of it. Um, I think that's just been USC lately, uh, really ever since the allegations and uh, losing Pete Carroll. I, I think USC just kind of has trended in the wrong direction. I would like to see them come back to relevance in college football and really have a strong program again, but I, I just think their ranking's a little too high. And uh, Trey, a team that you some for some reason seem to like, Miami, yeah, yeah, Miami, Florida. Uh, they're just inside the top 25 rankings. Uh, I don't even think they should be ranked, period. <laughs> they haven't done anything. I don't think they're going to do anything. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if they fall out of that pretty quick. So, But like Darnell said, it's the top 25. It's the preseason rankings. Nobody's played a snap yet. We have no idea. We just think we know. Yeah. So it is what it is. Uh, by really by week three or four we should have a pretty solid idea of who's who yeah um the the rankings will start to shape up um we'll have some key games already played by that point so we'll know who's for real uh, it'll also be interesting to see maybe if a team makes a late surge you know maybe weeks seven to ten if somebody makes a wins a couple big games and jumps pretty big um, I, I think if there's a team currently ranked in the top 25 that has the ability to do that, um, it it could be Georgia. 
Um, I think, you know, Kirby Smart just has the winning culture in his blood being at Alabama the last bunch of years. And if he can get that team in shape pretty quick, currently at 19, I think they can jump inside the top 10 fairly quick. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, yeah. I've kind of agree with you guys for sure. But yeah, the key one for me, I would have uh, agree with Darnell. I would have just flipped. Um, Clemson and Alabama. Like I said, I just think Alabama has a little bit too more, uh, too much question marks uh, right now with the whole quarterback, defense, uh, defensive coordinator um, transition and whatnot just coming to the season. Them losing key players too. So I would just flip those um, two around. But yeah, like you guys said, it's preseason. So anything can happen uh, coming into the season with injuries and whatnot. So just have to see. Now you guys think anybody will go undefeated? Uh, doubtful. That yeah, I, yeah, I would agree. Uh, I, I I'm gonna go ahead and just say no. I don't think anybody's going <laughs> I'll just go ahead and say it. He's throwing it out. No. <laughs> yeah, just, I, I right. mean, if if a team is likely to do it. I would pick Ohio State to be most likely to do it. Yeah, same. Just here. because That's they've, I they've, I, I think, in terms of the last three or four seasons, they've been one of the two most dominant teams, probably alongside Alabama. Alabama may end up with one loss typically, but it's because I think they're just in a tougher conference. Yeah. But you know, outside of Michigan and Michigan State. I don't see anybody really posing a threat to Ohio State. Yeah. I think, I mean, Ohio State, they do have a chance at going undefeated, but I think at, probably. At Oklahoma. Uh, yeah. Is really a looker. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say probably if, if somebody does it, I think it's Clemson or Oklahoma that goes undefeated. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would say the Clemson. Or, yeah, um, Ohio State. But, yeah, those are two, I would say, um, for it. So, And what about the Heisman? Who do you guys think will win the Heisman? Uh, McCaffrey. You got McCaffrey. Okay. I'm going to go Deshaun Watson. I'm going Deshaun Watson just with just due to history. Uh, since 2000, since the year 2000, um, there have only been two running backs to win the Heisman. Um, I think the rest were just quarterbacks. So I just think uh, McCaffrey, I think, like I said, I've said it many times, he should have won last year. But I just think uh, people love quarterbacks, man. So I am just I just think Deshaun Watson is going to be the guy to get it. Now, don't get me wrong. I would like – Christian McCaffrey would be my – I would like to see win the Heisman vote. Yeah. But who I think is going to win it would be Deshaun Watson. Yeah, same here. Like I said, uh, you know, I, I love McCaffrey. The dude's a beast. Like I say, he does it all for Stanford. But just with the – just me looking at the history of it, which is how quarterbacks have won since two, the year 2000, I'm going to go with uh, Deshaun Watson on that one. And to close the show off, uh, who do you guys have in the playoffs, um, and who do you think will win it all? Uh, well, I mean, going back through our, our predictions, I guess that's having me put Clemson, uh, Oklahoma, LSU, 
and Ohio State in the Final Four. Okay. And I guess that's gonna that's gonna have a showdown with Ohio State and LSU. And I'm gonna roll with the Big Ten. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that would have me going with Ohio State, Florida State, uh, LSU, and Oklahoma as well. Because, you know, I said I believe that Pac-12 is going to be left out again. Um, Now, granted, it's all going to determine how the rankings fall, but I think it'll end up being Florida State and Ohio State. And I will go with Florida State. All right. All right. Shot in the dark. Okay. <laughs> That's really all it is at this point. Yeah. I'm going to go Clemson, Alabama, Florida State, and Ohio State. And I've got Clemson uh, winning it all. And I'm going to take an even more shot in the dark. Whoa, whoa, shot whoa. So, wait. Did you say Clemson and Florida State? Uh oh yeah, what am I talking about? Yeah, uh I'm looking at the yeah. Hold on. Alabama, Clemson, um I'm looking at the wrong thing, Tyler. Yeah, good to call it out. Yeah. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and yeah, um Oklahoma. And I have Clemson uh winning it all. And I'm gonna uh, say it, I'm I'm gonna get a shot in the dark, I'm gonna say they're gonna go undefeated too. All right, it's going to be interesting. Like I said, it's going to be a long season, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, once everything gets into uh, shape and everything, we can look at our predictions. I know the season will probably look all really stupid. (laughs) Yeah, so it'll it'll be interesting to see, man, for sure. So, yeah, um, for sure. But um, you guys have anything else to add? No, I think we packed a lot in there. Yeah, so um, thank everybody for tuning in. Um, you can check us out on Stitcher, iTunes, YouTubePodcast.com, uh, SoundCloud. Just hit Google, Bing, or whatever your search engine is. Type in Don't Kill the Messages Podcast. We should pop up somewhere. So uh, check us out. You can also hit us up on Twitter at DKM underscore cast. And uh, appreciate it. Thanks for listening.